and welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today I'm speaking with William Hemsworth, who is a full-time Catholic apologist and um, you know, defender of the faith online, and he contributes at various different places, like at Patheos, and he has an amazing podcast uh, where he gives insightful information about the Catholic faith and the historic Christian faith over the centuries. So I definitely thank him for coming on today and um, sharing the importance of why we should all embrace apologetics uh, today in this world. So thank you for coming on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and thank you for all the work that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And um, I've, I've been a, a guest on William's program a few times and um, I've always admired his work that he does online and his writing and especially his, uh, his full-time ministry work that he's been doing this fall. And I uh, thought it would be a great opportunity for him to come on and share, you know, what it's like to be in full-time ministry and how, um, and how apologetics is such a, a vital uh, thing that we should all uh, engage in. So let's get started. Uh, I know that you are a convert to the Catholic Church, so why don't you give us, you know, your, your faith journey overview? How was it growing up? Uh, middle years and how they ultimately led you to the Catholic faith. Oh, sure. Well, I grew up in the Wesleyan church. I grew up in the Los Angeles area. And at about 12 years old, there was this church down the street. My mom decided that she wanted to start taking us to church. So that's where we went. And Sunset Wesleyan church was the name of it. And for those that don't know, Wesleyan denomination kind of branched off from Methodism in the early, early uh, 19th century more of the late 19th century. So I got involved there. I got baptized when I was 13. And it was definitely a memorable time. Got baptized. I was active in the youth group. I was youth group president, was act, uh, was in uh, campus life at high, in high school. And I joined the Army. I actually signed up when I was 17. So I was in what they called the delayed entry program for about a year. And I was a chaplain assistant in the Army. And so my job as a chaplain assistant was to make sure that the religious needs of the soldiers were met, no matter what denomination it was. And so, as you may expect, one of the things that we had to do on a Sunday was to work at the chapel. And my first duty station was in Savannah, Georgia, at Hunter Army Airfield. And the first Sunday I worked, the uh, the first service of the day was an Episcopal service. Uh, the second one was the mass. And then the next one was just a general Protestant service. And so, you know, I grew up with those general presuppositions that some Protestants have, you know, that Catholics don't read the Bible. Priests don't preach, you know, all these, all these various things. And so the mass started and I'm sitting on the mezzanine because this is the, the sound system was in the mezzanine area and the mass started. And so like, all right, so here we go. Let's, let's see what this is about. And lo and behold, you know, I heard a, a reading from the Old Testament, the Psalm, and there was a reading from Romans. And then there was a reading from the Gospel of Mark. And I was thinking in my mind, like, that's a lot of scripture. And, you know, I was used to maybe one or two verses being read and then expounded upon. And then the priest gets up and gives this 45-minute Billy Graham style type of homily. Like it was, it was awesome stuff. And so in my mind, kind of those two presuppositions were 
kind of stamped out. And so what I did is I actually put that on the shelf because I was 19. I really wasn't taking religion very seriously. I, def I definitely called myself a Christian, but I wasn't taking it seriously. I was 19 years old. I was, it was my first time away from home. Now, fast forward a few years to uh, 2003 where I, I met my wife and this first experience actually happened in 1999. So four years passed. I'm exposed to a bunch of different faiths. I'm exposed to Islam, um, Judaism, various Protestant denominations, and the Catholic Church during my service in the military. And my wife, she's a cradle Catholic, God bless her. And she's like, you know, I really want to get married in the Catholic Church. And I wasn't thinking. So I was like, you know, okay, I'll become Catholic too. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'll become Catholic too. Now, of course, we started going to RCIA. And there was this whole annulment thing I had to deal with. Because early on in my military career, I, I got married to someone else. And thankfully, the church annulled it because there were some issues there. And we won't go into all that here. But um, so I, had, I went through RCIA twice. And the thing, the thing was, I call myself a convert and a revert. And so I went through the RCIA process. I got received into the church, but I did something I don't recommend anyone do. I did it because I thought it would make my fiance happy. I didn't do it for me or because I thought it was true. I did it because I thought it would make her happy. So for anyone listening and I've told this various stories. I've told this various other ways before, but that's not, that's not a good way to go about it. And so what it eventually led to, yeah, I was still going to mass with my wife. I was still go doing those things, but in my heart, I didn't believe everything that the Catholic church taught. And so intellect, physically I was there intellectually. I was not. And so this kind of led this led to me enrolling in seminary. And this is kind of where the reversion happens because I, I, I decided I was going to major in, I was going to be a master of divinity in church history because I wanted to show that the early church was not Catholic. And plus I just love history. Now, first class we read from Justin Martyr. We read his first apology. And for anyone who hasn't read that first apology, go back and read it because he gives a breakdown of the mass. He gives a breakdown. You know, the prophets are read. The accounts of the apostles are read and are expounded upon. Water and wine are brought up to the presider. And we believe that unless you believe that the body and blood of Christ, that you shouldn't partake in it. So I was like, wow, so where do I find this church? Lo and behold, I was in it all along there with my wife because it just hit me one day. I'm in mass with her one day and it just hit me. It was like the Holy Spirit had a frying pan in his hand and just hit me on the head with it and said, look, you've been here the whole time. And it just struck me. And then the very next thing, the very next thing I read was from St. Irenaeus. We're talking about if you want to find the true church, you need to trace trace it back. He's writing to the Gnostics at this point. And the Gnostics are saying they were the true church. They had the secret knowledge that Jesus gave. 
And he's like, look, if you want to know the true church, you need to trace it back to the apostles. And he said, the church of Rome can chase its, can trace its bishops all the way back. And so that's where this reversion comes from. I went to confession. I was, you know, pretty much told the priest I was really stupid. <laughs> and of course, you know, he was really understandable. He's like, son, you're here now. It's okay. Let's go forward. And that's kind of, that's what, that's that reversion. And that's my quick and dirty story into the church, kind of out of the church and back again. And it was all because of um, reading scripture and getting deep into history. Like Cardinal Newman says, you know, to be steeped in history is to cease to be Protestant. Thank you for sharing that powerful uh, reversion, conversion story to the Catholic (laughs) Church. Um, I know you already mentioned that, you know, you already gave some advice and you said you wouldn't recommend anybody do like the path that you went. Um, Any other advice that you would um, like? Tell anybody who is discerning the Catholic Church? The main thing is ask questions. There's no such thing as a dumb question. I mean, the Catholic Church has been around 2,000 years. No question is new. Um, Chances are something you're experiencing has been experienced by someone else. We have 2,000 years of great theologians, great teachers, fantastic saints, Something has been, there's an answer for everything. So I always tell people, just ask the question. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, because chances are, especially if you're like in an RCIA, envi- RCIA environment, if you have that question, there's going to be someone else in that class who maybe is thinking it and just kind of nervous, doesn't want to speak up. Um, so whether you're online, you're in a class environment like that, just ask the question. I guarantee if you ask a question on Twitter or something, there's going to be a lot of us that respond somehow, some way. So don't be afraid to ask the question. That's the biggest piece of advice I can give. Ask. That's how we learn. I can remember um, when I was in RCA, and even when my wife was in RCA, they would always say, you know, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And so always make sure that you ask whatever question that you have. And even though, uh, like, the catechumens thought the questions were, were really theologically silly you know they were still vitally important so i was glad i'm glad to hear that you said you know ask questions regardless of like how silly or foolish they may sound just ask it um yeah that's important so now we're gonna go to the next part which is you know exploring how you became a catholic apologist so i know that you, you as i said in the beginning you have your blog at patheos catholic you write a Catholic stand. You have a weekly show that you do on YouTube where you interview, you know, popular speakers. And I think most recently you had Steve Ray, you spoke to Gary Machuda. Um, like what, what influenced you to um, you know, be a Catholic apologist? Where did that start? Well, it really started with my own experience. Because what, looking back on my own experience and my own presuppositions about the Catholic faith, really, I... I wanted to help people overcome those. That's what really influenced me. And it's been something that's been in the works for a couple, for a couple of years. Um, I, I had been in banking for 15 years beforehand. I was in the finance world and I just kept telling my wife, I, I would, I would love to get into ministry. This is what I love to do. And just about well, a few months ago, she's like, it's time. She came up to me and said it. I didn't bring it up. She said, it's time. And so my goal in my ministry is to, 
one, I bring on, like you said, I bring it. I have great guests like yourself's been on Steve Ray, Gary Machuda. I've had Dr. Scott Hahn on before. Um, and all these, all these great guests kind of fall into the, they don't fall into the same. They kind of have a similar story as I do. They just want to get the word out because all of us have different gifts. All of us have different ways of presenting the faith that maybe will resonate with someone else. Whereas another person, it may not resonate. So that's what really got me into it. I felt the calling. Um, I took first Peter three fifteen seriously, you know, always going to be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you, but do it with gentleness and respect. Have a when reason you, for that hope. Mm. So when you speak about so like doing your conversion story, you mentioned that the Catholic Church uh, has been around for like two thousand years, and you know, with all this wisdom from the saints, church fathers, doctors of the church, encyclicals, <laughs> magisterium, all this wisdom, you know, a lot of us may think when we think of apologetics, we may feel under overwhelmed, like. I have to know everything in order to be uh, an apologist. Uh, why do you think that's a, a false belief? Or do you think that's a false belief? I do think it's a false belief because I'm still learning. Uh, everyone out there is still learning. I, mean, I talked to Steve Ray the other day. He said he's still learning. He knows a lot more than I do, but he's still learning. But like you said, there's so much wisdom out there. There's, And that's what makes the Catholic faith so exciting is that we're always learning. It's a lifelong journey. We could learn, we could learn all there is in this life and still well, all that we can in this life. And we're just scratching the surface of it. So for anyone out there who's, who thinks that being able to share the faith or defend it, that you have to know everything. Let me just say, first off, I'm just be blunt. That's what the devil's telling you. Okay. He doesn't want the truth to be told. And so he's going to say, Hey, you, you don't know about this. You don't know the Bible well enough to do this. You don't know Aquinas well enough to say this or whoever, whatever popular writer there is. None of that matters. You have a story. You have a faith journey that's going to resonate with someone. You have experience whether you think so or not. And if you don't know something, the information is out there. You, you could Google it. I mean, it's going to pop up real quick for you. So don't let that, don't let that dissuade you um maybe let it be an an encouragement to grow in your own faith to grow in your your walk with christ to get closer to him that's how i view it yeah that's a, a good answer right there thank you for sharing that so you know you've been engaging in apologetics for a while i'm sure even as a, a protestant when you were trying to disprove the catholic church uh, that's a form of apologetics um but now, since over the years since you've been Catholic, you've been, you know, defending if defending the faith and explaining the faith. What are some like helpful, basic things that we all need to know when dialoguing and having conversations with other people who don't necessarily have a, a Christian worldview? First and foremost, take that last part of First Peter three fifteen to heart. Do it with gentleness and respect. Because I think all too often we're out to win an argument, but we lose the soul. If Okay. So we need to understand where someone's coming from. So let's ask questions. So why do you believe that way? You know, if Jesus wasn't talking literally, literally about his body and blood in John chapter 6, what 
was he talking about? Ask questions to understand the other side's view, the other side's viewpoint, because that way you can tailor your answer towards it. It all, like, like you said, worldview. I mean, on you're active on social media. There's different worldviews out there: Protestant, Catholic, New Age, Atheist, whatever the case is. There's all different viewpoints out there. To start with apologetics, we have to understand the other person's argument, the other the other person's viewpoint. We can't go off a presupposition of what we think they may think, because every something, even though the argument may be similar, there may be little nuances in it that that are gonna be a little different where you can get a piece of scripture in to show like, okay, maybe not quite, and you can have to start letting the Holy Spirit work. So that's that's probably the big thing is do it with gentleness, do it with respect, don't do it to win an argument. Remember that there's a soul. We want that soul to be with us for eternity. We want the soul to be with Christ for eternity. And we don't do that by lashing out and trying to say, no, you're wrong, you're an idiot, that doesn't work. Say, why do you think that way? Always phrase it back into a question. Why do you think this? And then that continues on a dialogue. It builds into a friendship. They start seeing how you live. And they say, okay, there's something to it that way. So I hope yeah, that answers are, your question. <laughs> yeah, those are some really good practical tips. I think, as you said, the first one is really embracing, you know, gentleness and kindness is essential when having dialogue with others. Because, again, like you pointed out, we may not necessarily share the same uh, views, but um, we shouldn't, like, degrade or you know, diminish other people's experiences and identity just because they think differently. And uh, I would I hope that's something that we all can, um, you know, practice more, especially on social media when yes. engaging with other people uh, of different faith backgrounds. Um, so the last question is, why should we heed the call of, you know, being a, an apologist? You know, some people think, I'm just supposed to be this this hermit or I just contain the faith like the talents the other day. That was a good, a good uh, reading. Like we just, we have this, this special gift and we just hold on to it and keep it, but we don't ever do anything with it. So why should we, we have this special faith, this time tested faith from Christ and apostles and 2000 years worth of richness. Why should we, you know, heed the call of, you know, sharing it as an apologist, whether it be online, writing, living it out in our daily lives, through works. Uh, yeah, why should we do that? Well, apologetics is a subset of evangelization. Okay, and Jesus tells us in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, uh, Acts chapter 1, go forth, preach the gospel to all creation, teaching them everything I commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Evangelizing is something that Jesus commands us to do. And apologetics is one way of doing that. Like I said, it's a subset. Because once you start to talking to people about who Jesus is, what his church is, that's the first step in evangelization. And from there, we get to the nitty gritty of why do we believe that Christ is divine? Why we believe the Trinity? Why we believe in, in the papacy, the Eucharist? It starts with evangelization. Jesus told us to do it. And so if we're serious about doing, about following our Lord and doing what he says, he's telling us 
to go out. Now, he's not saying that everyone is going to go out and be a missionary in a foreign country, that not everyone is going to go out and be a public speaker, or that you know everyone is going to go and have a, a daily radio show or anything like that. We're all called to different vocations. You can preach the gospel in your home with your wife, with your children. You can set up a daily prayer time, read scripture to them, um, your neighbor. I mean, the mission field is right outside the front door, as well as inside of our doors in, in our parishes. You don't have to go to other countries, but we are all called to evangelize and to share the faith. And that's all apologetics is. It's sharing the faith. It's sharing the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins because he loves us and wants us to be with him for eternity. I mean, it's really, it's a good, it's the good news. I mean, it's the gospel. And apologetics just helps explain that using, using scripture, um, what the early church taught and different uh, philosophy at certain points. That's all apologetics is. It's a subset of evangelization. It's what Jesus called us to do. And all of us have a vocation in some way to evangelize. It could be just to your spouse, like I said a moment ago, or you could be speaking in front of thousands of people. Just because you're in front of one person or 5,000 doesn't make your job any less meaningful. You're still doing what Christ commanded you. And like you said, the parable of the talents, that's what it's all about. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that information. Um, I think you said it best. You know, we all have a, a duty and everybody's duty doesn't look the same, but we all have some capacity to, you know, live out and share the gospel in, uh, in our lives, whether that be speaking, whether that be in a domestic church at home or through, you know, smaller, so, subtle ways. Uh, so I definitely think that's a, a good uh, you know, closing message on why we should all heed the call from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I definitely want to thank you for coming on today and sharing some information about why apologetics is so crucial right now uh, in this moment. And I know that you have a, a powerful, you know, like as I mentioned, the YouTube weekly uh, interviews that you do and every other day you produce, you know, insightful information about the Christian faith. And I pray and hope that you continue to um, expand your ministry, but also continue to win the hearts of others with gentleness, kindness, and love, as I've seen you do consistently. Well, I thank you. That means a lot to hear you say that. And uh, I can't thank you enough for all that you that you do as well, not only with this show and, and you know, Priestly Passion and your interaction with uh, everyone on Twitter as well. I see what you're doing and it's I, I see it as being very fruitful. So thanks for all you're doing and thanks for the opportunity to have me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, that's going to conclude this episode of Saintly Witnesses. And you guys can wish and continue to keep William in your prayers and his ministry. And yes, and continue to keep him in your prayers and his ministry may be fruitful and abundant. And uh, you can tune into the next episode. Mm-hmm.